ready she starts. This is going to go well. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Brain Fart episode 20. This is a special episode and we have a special guest with us today. And that guest is my mom. The, the mother of all brain farts. Um, say say hello. Hello, everyone. This is very odd for me, so bear with me. I know. It took, it took a lot of convincing to get her on here, but I think it's really important for people to hear the perspective of a parent dealing with children with chronic illnesses and autoimmune diseases and things like that. And my mom has plenty of experience with that. And I'm sure if there's any moms listening... They can definitely relate, and I just I just wanted to bring on that source because she's someone who knows me to my deepest core. I was <laughs> ripped from her womb twenty almost twenty two years ago. Um, I remember it well. <laughs> you remember it well. You were drugged up while they sliced you open. Yes, and you know what? If I could have had a mirror, I would have wanted to see it all, but they didn't allow that. I know. Luckily, <laughs> luckily, my mom is very open to. Th- things that people might find gross like we me and my mom like to watch when they take our blood it's just something that's interesting to us so I guess we always thought we could could have been nurses or doctors yeah I know something in in a a different life (laughs) we could have been doctors because we could have dealt with that right kind of gross stuff so but I guess it works out because she has taken both of her children in for many a testing and many different things in the hospital and she's always been very level-headed with it and it just kind of worked out that way so I guess you didn't need to be a doctor but yeah. you I actually was kind of forced into a, a pseudo doctor a position su- <laughs> a pseudo doctor if you if that's what you want to call it so I guess I just kind of want to start by asking you I want to start with Zach Zach's my brother I'm sure I've talked about him before. He has our, <laughs> our clock's chiming in the background. I don't know if we'll hear it or not, but whatever. Um, so Zach has two autoimmune diseases. He was diagnosed when he was younger, and it was long before I was presenting with any type of thing. So I just wanted to kind of go back to the source because as much as this is my story, I want to get my mom's perspective on this and... I'm not her only child, so I can't be like, hey, you can only talk about me and my experience when you experienced a lot more before I even started to have issues. Right. Yeah. Well, with Zach, uh, it was early on that um, we discovered he had an issue. He was uh, right before his fifth birthday, fifth, yeah. he had had um, a virus that actually triggered what we later learned to be celiac disease. He had uh, the genetic predisposition for it, but it often takes some kind of um, event in your life, uh, some hardship on your body that triggers, triggers the actual disease from presenting. And it was many, many months, um, I believe eight or nine months before we finally got to the bottom of it. We had taken him to the doctor several times and they, they just thought, oh, well, you know, your you know, family is thin and pale. So these, <laughs> these particular symptoms weren't disturbing them. And he was a young child, uh, but he had gone from being in basically the 90th percentile on height and weight 
down to like the 15th percentile yeah. and it was <clears throat> excuse me it was dramatic and it, go ahead sorry it's funny that they say that your family's just skinny and pale it's true right. um well pale but let's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. speak for the men we'll the speak family. for the men in the family they got the skinny right. um but it's when i hear these stories now and i hear you and dad talk about them or even other family members who were alive or like could remember Zach at that time, they described him as looking like translucent. almost translucent and almost like a sickly child or a starving the, child. The kind that you would see on one of those one of those commercials. That, yeah, you his, know, with the d- distended belly mm-hmm. and his arms were teeny tiny. You could see the ribs through his, you know, the front and back. Yeah, and his and veins was, were. His you veins can see were, it in pictures too, and it's blue. through the skin so it was um it was disturbing that that um the nurse practitioner thought that that could be normal and it just spurred me on to find out what actually was happening and that's when I started my research and we just we came up with several alternatives um cystic fibrosis was one of them and oh really yes we were you know obviously no disease is a good disease, but having celiac disease is what it turned out to be was a better alternative yeah. than, than cystic fibrosis. That's a much more difficult one to deal with on a daily basis. But we did finally get him into a doctor and they, um, they wanted to, you know, confirm it. And they had to do a sigmoidoscopy where they take the tube down the throat and all the way down into the small intestine and take a biopsy and she basically came back and showed me a picture of his small intestine and said this is textbook he it was clearly clearly celiac so it was confirmed in his case and we just had to go forward from there and learn a new way of life for him which was very difficult for a five-year-old to have to you know re relearn how to eat mm-hmm. and not being able to have cake at parties or pizza parties or any of those things we always had to bring his food if he was ever invited to something like that so it was it was a trying time for him but he adjusted eventually and he's lived with it his whole life. Yeah, and he's 24 now? Yes. Yeah. And today... <laughs> Why am I questioning yeah, that? Yeah, I, I know he's know. 24. <laughs> <laughs> he, um, actually, it's these days it's much easier with the, yeah. the kind of diet craze with gluten-free. It provides him with a lot more options. Mm-hmm. More options in restaurants, more right. options going out. I kind of touched on that in my diet episode, how difficult it is for people or especially children having to go to parties like you mentioned and not being able to eat anything there and it not just being a thing of oh I can't eat it that's a bummer but it being a very social situation and right being the only one who can't very left out yeah very I felt bad badly for him when Mm -hmm. he would be put in those situations and he a lot of times he would just choose not to go um, until he really, until he got into college and he absolutely thrived. And then he flourished. I know. We, we love telling that story just yeah. because he's, you know, he's doing so well now and mm-hmm. we're so proud of him. Yeah. Love you, Zach. <laughs> love you. Um, and we, you mentioned before how you started your research 
And I've always known you to be the queen of the research, especially when it comes to all things medical. I think when it comes to our family, everyone turns to my mom to kind of figure out what's going on. They're like, something's happening. So Stacy, can you do some research? And she's very, it's very in-depth, very detailed research, finding out everything you can. So was that kind of, I guess, the start of that or... Uh, it became much easier with the internet. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but it is hard, yeah. <laughs> it's, you don't have to go to the library to check out books. God to forbid you had to go to the library. <laughs> well, I used to but do it is that hard, all the yeah. time. <laughs> but um, it got a lot easier and more and more information um, as the years went on was available on the mm-hmm. internet. In the beginning, it was really hard to find celiac disease or any amount of information on it. And um, now I'm sure you can, you know, there it's just all over the place. Yeah, There's a million different sh- medical websites. It'll that you pop can... up on Wikipedia, <laughs> no problem. <laughs> yeah. I, I know the doctors hate that when you Google everything. But it does give you um, an idea of the kind of questions you need to ask when mm-hmm. you go in and you see all these doctors. Definitely. It's, you know, it you have to educate yourself. And um, be an advocate for your child because especially when they're that young, they can't advocate for themselves. Yeah. And it's just, you know, a process that that I learned to do over time and I got better at it. And mm-hmm. that's why everybody came to me when I, they had an issue. <laughs> I kind of knew, you know, the right places to look. And, yeah. And I would keep looking until I was happy with the answers or, you know, was able to get some answers from a doctor based upon my research. And I mean, if you hadn't done that research for Zach, what the doctor said he had It would have been, yeah, they literally said he was close to starving. I mean, he was at the point where he wasn't walking. When I would go grocery shopping, I would have to bring the cart over to the car and put place him in there because he didn't have the energy to walk to the store the short distance to the store to get in the cart mm-hmm. himself so it was um it was something that was absolutely needed uh, you know in the situation i mean i don't know if we would have gotten to that resolution um before something tragic would have happened yeah. if i hadn't figured out and asked the right questions and they they finally tested Pushed for the right them, thing yeah <laughs> yeah and i i always remember this part of the story where you would talk about um oh shoot I just forgot what we're talking about (laughs) this is brain fart after all (laughs) this is (laughs) um when you would talk about how shoot I like it's completely gone we love a neurological disorder (laughs) um usually I can read your mind but I know what were we just talking about being able to push and ask the right questions. And... Yeah. Oh, oh, and how you, the doctor made, told you that you had to keep feeding him wheat for a month. Oh, that's before, right. Yeah, that that's, part. I want right. to hear When about we actually that. did um, determine that that was what we thought it was, you can't stop feeding him the food that's basically killing him. You have to continue to feed him that so that mm-hmm. it will show up on the testing because the antibodies, as soon as you take the wheat out of the diet, which is what his lifestyle is now, that's the, the, um, 
the answer to his his problem is to remove wheat and all gluten from his diet we couldn't do that we mm-hmm. had to continue to feed him wheat so it would show up uh, the antibodies would show up on the test results but um that was i must admit a very long month knowing yeah. knowing that we found what we thought was the answer and we had to keep um feeding him things that were destroying his body at the time yeah but we did finally get the right answer and got him on the right path and he's healthy now wow. until his his next stumble yeah. in the medical arena parenting <laughs> sounds so fun <laughs> yes it is um and so at this point i'm just plugging along i'm just like little little maddie <laughs> just yeah. hanging out little, not little toddler not quite understanding what's yeah. going on at the time just that my brother Cute little toddler. Yeah. Oh, oh, so cute. Um, so flash forward. That happened when he was about five, as we as, as we stated before. Um, and flash forward to thirteen. Yes. Um, this this was the next kind of stumbling block health wise for our family. I don't think anything significant no. happened between that it, with anyone in the family right including myself right so the next i i should probably text zach to make sure that it's okay that we're talking about all this yeah possibly <laughs> i'm sure it'll be fine okay, okay. <laughs> continuing on talking about him okay. um, so when he was 13 what happened we had just noticed um that he was having um other symptoms for one he was thirsty all the time Mm -hmm. even in school he would from class to class he had to stop and um get drinks from the drinking fountain because he was just constantly thirsty we love hydration right (laughs) and um and um had to urinate all the time as well i mean just an unusual i mean it's it was not your normal situation Mm -hmm. it was you could tell that was it was different and we had gone on a family trip, and um, my brother-in-law had had just kind of mentioned that, you know, have you ever looked at diabetes? And I said, well, you know, actually, I, I hadn't really started researching anything yet. And, of course, when we got back from vacation, I started immediately researching everything about type 1 diabetes, knowing already that from my prior research, once you have an autoimmune condition, you are much more likely to get another one. Yeah. And to just to like put a break before we start talking about it, there's a difference between type one and type two diabetes. Yes. So type one is considered an autoimmune disease. Basically what happens is um, your pancreas isn't working for your body to pr- to process the insulin anymore mm-hmm. and um, without that working the blood sugars start to raise in your um, in your blood to the point where actually they spill over into your urine so when you're having too when your blood sugar is too high and your body's not able to process it because it doesn't have enough insulin that's basically the the mechanism that causes allows you to release some of it is through your urine and then it also constantly makes you thirsty as well. Mm-hmm. So um, after researching this and understanding it and 
and realizing that these were definitely the symptoms that he was experiencing, uh, we went to the doctor and I mentioned it for his annual um, celiac test. I mentioned, well, these are symptoms he's having. We need to consider diabetes. And the doctor basically said, with the symptoms that I described, he said, well, there is a good chance that it could be that. So they did the A1C test, which tests your blood sugars over the last three months and called us back in and basically reported to us that, yes, that's what was going on. His blood sugars were um, close to 500 at that point, and we had to admit him immediately into the hospital to get his blood sugars back down and to be able to shoot insulin into him to handle the excess blood sugars. Mm -hmm. And honestly, that was another major blow. I mean, he thought that that meant he wasn't going to, he'd already cut out this major food group in his his diet, and he assumed that that meant he wasn't able to have any sugar or any sweets whatsoever, which it doesn't. That helps to keep those at a low level because it just means you, you only take in, you know, the amount of insulin that's needed to cover carbohydrates that you take into your diet, and... He did learn to to deal with that too. Yeah. It was another one that was, you know, kind of heartbreaking at the moment. But yeah, uh, to, but, yeah sorry, I have but, this distinct memory because I this is the time where I'm like, okay, kind of a person now. Like I kind of have memories and I can remember this time in our lives. But I do remember when you guys told him and yeah. like hearing that right being being in a different room but obviously hearing the anguish right through the doors because especially when i don't know like put yourselves in the shoes of a what 13 year old and you're being told these things and you're old enough to kind of understand that this is going to change your life forever but you don't know what's really going on i mean i can't imagine i to some degree can understand, but mine was more when I was an adult. So maybe that has a different effect. I'm not sure. I'm sure there's people listening who were diagnosed when they were young. So something that you could probably relate to. Right. And it, this was quite a bit different than just cutting out the gluten from your, Mm -hmm. from your diet. He had to take injections every single day and he had to calculate everything that goes into his mouth i mean Mm -hmm. because not only do you know do you have to um know the amount of carbohydrates but if you overeat protein then that will turn into carbohydrates as well so it's such a fine line and every time you exercise or you get sick these all have an effect on your body that that has has an effect on your glucose, yeah. your blood sugars. And, and it was just really difficult process to learn all of that. And, you know, daunting. Yeah. I mean, a daunting task, which he, he handled very well. Yeah. And, and handles still, still to this day. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And I mean, technology, there's other Help options. Has helped. Like, has helped. There's other Help options. Has helped. Like, has helped. Yeah. There's, like, pumps now, so you're not injecting four times a day, but you're, I don't know. It's still, it still is something that he deals with and he deals with very well. But I, I have this memory because like from my point of view, it's a little different. Um, 
of just me and my mom being at the doctors and me having to just get shots, you know, you know how you do. You like just for, for just like for vaccinations, vaccinations or whatever. And I feel like there was this point in time where like all of the girls in school were like, oh no, shots. Oh my goodness. It's so scary. And like people have a real fear of needles. Like that is a real thing, but I don't know why, like in my head, I remember it as this kind of fun fad going on where everyone hated needles because I feel like I never really was affected that much. I was like, eh, okay, whatever. But I remember being like, oh my gosh, oh, I'm so scared for these shots. And my mom, she, the kindest, most gracious woman turned to hard stone and said, your brother has to take at least four of these a day. You can take this once a year. And I was like, okay. (laughs) And I think about that still. I know I never complained again because I realized like it, it really did put into perspective. And I know people have real fears of needles and it's scary and all that stuff, but it really put in into perspective and I think still to this day I don't have a fear of needles because it of that moment of that moment being put into perspective for me so I don't know that's just a random thought of like mine that that I think of during that time because it was still new and all that stuff so that basically ends the saga of Zach that I guess we'll talk about today well and just knowing that Zach is awesome and he handles everything well. He does. Zach's great. He's flourishing. <laughs> we love him. After we've talked, After... put all of his medical history on display. On display. But no, he really, he really does. He, he's a cool dude. Yes. Um. So I just wanted to get kind of that perspective from you for Zach, because that's kind of what started, I think, that... Me going down the path of heavily researching everything yeah and I mean from that time on it was basically you who would go to even if it was your parents checkups or um mine and things like that it was just always you were always the advocate for the person in the room which I think is really important to have when you're going to the doctor I know when I go to the doctor by myself or when I was in New Jersey dealing with medical stuff going in by myself I never could quite remember questions or I Um, wouldn't speak up about certain things. And I think having someone there to help you with that is important because I think you need to go into a doctor and ask questions. I don't think you should feel bad about asking questions and taking time to understand. Yeah. So, well, and it's, it's harder when, when it's, when you're the patient, Mm -hmm. you, you don't think of them when you're sitting there, the, the, the doctor will ask, well, anything else? No, I don't know. That's, yeah, (laughs) can't think of anything. So we basically had to prepare to, before we went in to know what we needed answers to. And, um, just, you know, we didn't want to waste their time, but also we wanted to get good information while we were there if we could and unfortunately they didn't always have the answers that we either wanted or they just didn't know and I think that really came into play with my medical stuff I mean not to say Zach's was cut and dry or something because they're still with the celiac there was a lot of searching and um, luckily with the diabetes the research beforehand helped in the room but with me, it was a little bit more, uh, a little bit more finicky or something, I guess. Well, I feel like there were too many things to rule out. And yeah. once we started narrowing down, like, okay, what, you know, is, does this fit? I'm, I 
you know, it's been a while since we went through all this. I don't remember all the things we were wondering if it was at the time. I mean, lots of, I, I, I remember being tested for MS. There was a big oh, time where true. they thought it was because, MS, like when my pseudotumor stuff was still going on. And... Well, because of the, the loss of um, the problems with the eyesight. Yeah, that... and I like I have a lot of twitching in my muscles, right. even to this day. But And your extreme fatigue fits so many different That's, possible, yeah. possible diagnoses. When you have such broad symptoms, right. it's really I mean, hard. Got, you've got chronic fatigue syndrome, you've got, uh, which some doctors don't even don't even believe. recognize yeah. yeah or even i was looking it up today because lately i've been feeling and fibromyalgia yeah all those lately i've been feeling really fatigued we've been going to the gym every day it's been great like i feel really energized in the gym and then i come home and i have to take a two-hour nap and i because i don't know it's it's hard so i decided to do some more research today because in my past we've looked at kind of adrenal fatigue and right. my cortisol always... levels popped up in your history yeah and I was looking it up today and I realized I was like looking up articles and people don't even recognize it as right that's true. a diagnosis like yeah. at doctor's office is <laughs> and really the only way to to resolve that is rest once yeah. you over you know overstimulated your body mm-hmm. the only way to come back from that is is more rest yeah it's because I was looking it up and it was like Oh, if your symptoms are if you're really tired or if you're craving salty foods, and I was like, right. that's well, been that's, that's, yeah, yeah, that's your life. That's my life. So <laughs> <laughs> always tired, always wanting salt. Um, but so and of course, but the problem is you go to look that up, and people are like, well, it could be fibromyalgia and right. chronic fatigue syndrome and adrenal fatigue or cancer. You know, there's right. <laughs> well, cancer's we, always thrown in there when I you're know, looking but stuff up. We've always gotten that one ruled out by blood work cancer? and yes. yes. <laughs> Because that's always my right. I know the the fear. Oh, in the I back mean, of your mind. Everyone's, but <laughs> right. when there's things and you're like, all oh, the symptoms, but also my symptoms are so broad that right. they. But kind yeah, Doctor Google always brings up cancer <laughs> as a result for almost any symptom. Yeah, Doctor Google really loves diagnosing right. cancer. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Um, but so I guess we could bring it back to kind of the start of my stuff. I feel like through the years I've always had. I don't know, like digestive digestion problems or like my stomach would always hurt or you I don't know. You actually had the tired, the fatigue symptoms early on Early too. on, in yeah. high school. I would take would get... like four hour naps right. after coming home and I just thought that was normal. I thought that was normal life. Yeah. Um, but so that was kind of happening and I don't know. I think back then I was a little bit more, I had to do some growing up when it came to like pain and stuff because I feel like I would sprain my ankle and I'd be like... Okay. Amputate it. Yes, get over it, Maddie. <laughs> yeah, it was a lot of get over it, Maddie, in the beginning, and so it's just a small thing. <laughs> yeah, and so I think when it started to actually become big things, I don't know. It was no longer a boy who cried wolf situation. Right. Well, when you're we're getting a phone call and you're being rushed to the the ER. <laughs> I mean, then we're how many miles away from New Jersey here in Las Vegas? Not it's. It's pretty serious. Yeah. Uh, it had gotten to a point where it was affecting your daily life. Mm-hmm. You couldn't function anymore. Yeah. You, you know, you were having serious problems with the pressure in your head with mm-hmm. your eyesight. And it was causing you to be disoriented and you were losing your words and yeah. forgetting things all the time. And, you, you know, you're an actress and you're supposed to memorize lines it's not it's not really good for you yeah (laughs) 
for your future profession mm-hmm. if you can't do that. And I mean, this is, I sometimes forget to think of it from your perspective because I, I mean, I had had those issues growing up, whatever. They were still things I worked through. I was still the same Maddie, all that stuff. But I can't imagine I, because I broke my butt freshman year. We know that. Everybody right. knows that. Um, and then but you really weren't having these symptoms. I wasn't having these symptoms at all. They no. really came out of nowhere. I mean, I can't imagine. I went away for my second semester sophomore year, was having no issues. Right. And it really was out of the blue. And I sometimes, I mean, I think of it from my perspective as it being out of the blue, but I can't imagine you guys just sitting at home one night and getting a call from my friend saying, hey, I'm in the back of an ER. Or in, in the back, in the back, of, back of an, an ER. ER. Wow. Well, you could have been in the back of the ER, too. <laughs> I'm in the back of an ambulance <laughs> going to the back of the ER. Right. So I guess, I don't know, like, what's your perspective on that, I guess? Well, I obviously we were horrified to hear that <laughs> at knowing we we're so far away and um just trying to figure out a way that we could communicate long distance yeah. because they weren't letting your friends have any information they weren't allowing her yeah. to be in the room when they were discussing oh HIPAA. What, right <laughs> which is I which is i understand too but it's, it's a little hard when your but parents they were, are so far Sarah was trying to get us on the phone so we yeah. can actually speak to the doctors <laughs> yeah. and try to s- let them know, okay, you can talk to us, but yeah. it's kind of hard to get all the information when you're that far away. Yeah. And so I, it's distressing. <laughs> I can't remember if it was, I honestly can't really remember the next week. And I don't know if I was talking to you at the time. I know you also don't have the greatest memory. No, I do Um which is fine. I, I don't believe I have pseudo tumor that much. <laughs> no, <laughs> I don't think it has anything it's, to do with that. Yeah, just, just, I don't know. Maybe it's a, a genetic thing. <laughs> maybe just bad memory. Right. Um, but so, I can't really remember the week going into the next hospital visit. I don't know. Was I? I'm sure I was texting you. I'm sure if I. I'm sure you were. Went, <laughs> Do you really want me to go back that far? <laughs> go into the depths of our texts from like three years ago to try and find. I felt like I was getting texts from your friends as well, not more just so, more, yeah. well, Sarah in particular. Yeah. She um, was the one that was with you, especially yeah. that night. And then um, and we had a lot of you. Cl- yeah, we yeah. had a lot of classes together too. So, right. And I can't remember... When it was that um, your professor Ellen, stepped yeah. in? Well, I remember I remember Ellen stepping in. I'm pretty sure I've talked about it, but I'll just say it again because why not? Um, I remember being, it's really kind of the only memory I remember from that week. And I, I don't know if it's just from what people have told me, that's why I remember it, or if it's an actual true memory of what happened. But I remember being in the bathroom because we were in acting class and I was just crying because I couldn't do anything and I was really overwhelmed and everything just was too much for me and I remember Sarah coming in to check up on me because she was in class with me and she kind of knew what was going on and then I just remember Ellen like barging in and she was like we're calling a neurologist I'm finding a neurologist we're not dealing with this anymore we're figuring out what's wrong with you which I mean right so I, I well, mean, I it was know... hard for me because I wasn't there witnessing what you were going through. Yeah, on so a daily it was a basis. lot of second So hand. I was only getting you know texts every now and then, and so you weren't necessarily letting on 
the depth of what was going on. Yeah, yeah. the situation and what really needed to get um, get done in that situation. And thank yeah. God for Ellen; she was there to help us out. Yeah, because I'm sure if you and, were in that same then position, Aunt, then you Aunt would. Lisa <laughs> yeah, was also Aunt there. Was a big to part of it too. But so that's step in and help. That's kind of what moved along to the next portion. And I know I do remember texting you um, after the neurologist appointment. Because we were trying to do everything out of the hospital because I just had such a horrible experience the first time. And I just really didn't want to be there. And I remember... They just assumed you were on drugs and that's what your problem was until they got the test results that showed that you weren't. (laughs) Yeah. But so... Then they didn't know what to do with you. So they just sent me home. They gave gave me a sandwich and they sent me home. (laughs) In the middle of a blizzard. It was a blizzard. Um, But... I remember us, me and Ellen, because she came with me, and at the end of the appointment, the doctor was like, girl, we got to admit you. (laughs) You cannot. I I must admit, I was, at that moment when she kind of stepped in, I was eternally grateful. Because I was like, oh my goodness. Yeah. Thank goodness. And I remember texting you saying. Because she had been finding you a doctor and doing all that stuff. Yeah, because that was the other thing. We, we're not from New Jersey. I don't, we don't know doctors in New Jersey no, it's not at all I mean well I guess I could have figured it out but she'd stepped in and helped us out yeah so it would have it taken necessary. a little bit longer yeah. or we wouldn't have found the right person and so I remember texting you from like the cafeteria that day <laughs> saying they're gonna admit me and you're like okay we'll just the amount of times I've called you or texted you saying they want to admit <laughs> me into the hospital I and I ask if I have to go and you say yes, yes. <laughs> is probably too too much more than I would want. Right. Well, and lately, though, it's a little less because we we know that there's ways for you to, if, you, if you're able to relieve your symptoms with Martin yeah. helping you out, then I'll tell you, well, you know, it may not be the best thing because they're not going to know what to do yeah, with Yeah, there's sometimes I've had brain episodes and my mom was so like, you just, my mom's like, you're not going to the ER, excuse me. Let Martin help you. Yeah, like if they're not going to know you what need to get a good night's sleep. Sometimes do, yeah. that works wonders as well. Yeah, when that's you, a big one. When you can shut your bot, shut yourself down because I think your mind gets crazy so and overactive. Yeah. Um, but so back to the actually starting of it, and I guess so. I was admitted. We all know that. No, 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 no. And then you. What was kind of the time? I like vaguely remember like. Ellen or Aunt Lisa telling me about the moment they kind of knew that you should come out. Right. Well, you were experiencing those seizure-like episodes. Yeah. And that was very distressing, (laughs) of course. (laughs) And so they had, this was all also happening, happening in the, you know, very early morning hours for you, from yeah, Las Vegas. The time change, time. yeah. Uh, but I remember, I think it was probably about, so it had to be 10 there and 7 here mm-hmm. when they they finally called and said, well, I, I really do think you should come out. And I'm li- literally on the phone and, uh, you know, <laughs> on my iPad at the same time finding a flights to, to get me there as soon mm-hmm. as possible. And I did. I left. You were there that night. No, I know. This was, I think, like I said, 7 in the morning. And I was on a plane by 11 a.m. 
and on my way there mm-hmm. and got there by about 10 p.m. that night. Yeah. And I mean, that was a relief for me, too, because as much as I love my friends and I love Ellen and I love my aunt. I mean, I think you walked in the room and I don't, I, did I start, I don't know if yeah. it was start crying yeah, or just like. Yeah, you started crying. <laughs> just the immediate like, oh my God, my mom's here. Yeah, <laughs> like, right. I just need, I need this person. Um, so, I don't know. that. I well, feel- and it helped. Well, just knowing, because I had your history too, I knew, you know, what to be letting filling all the doctors in on all your yeah. past stuff because I've always kept um, those all a running list, list of anything of that's yeah. ever happened in your medical history on my iPad and it just comes in really handy when you yeah. need to you know tell the doctors whatever little thing might help them diagnose yeah. you in that moment mm-hmm. So, and it was nice to have you there for like the spinal tap and everything. Right. That was... <laughs> Remember when they forgot me after the spinal tap? They were like, okay, well, we just called for a tech to come down and bring you back up. And then they forgot or it the tech like forgot a or long something. Time we and were I was waiting. sitting there yeah. for like an hour and they had told my mom that it would only <laughs> <I> be <laughs> like this amount of time. And she's sitting up there. And you were telling I, me that you were like freaking out. I, well, I had assumed something had gone wrong because it had taken so long for you to get back in the room no nah, i was just but. sitting in the hallway having to pee <laughs> so bad <laughs> well and then uh i guess we determined that although it wasn't technically considered diet the high enough the um cerebral spinal or the pressure when they they took the spinal tap it wasn't, wasn't like excessively it was excessively high. high it was, high. High. It was a, the very high end of normal yeah which like i have done research and they have very different ranges of what is normal. And really, how can you tell what is normal for all? Yeah. Well, obviously, it. Oh, sorry. Sorry, the fax machine. <laughs> is that it? Oh no, no. It's gonna keep ringing. <laughs> That's all right. We'll talk through it. Um. <laughs> anyway, th- so what might be normal for you know. A large group of people doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be normal for Maddie. Yeah. And the fact that the um, symptoms were immediately relieved yeah. and resolved when they they did the the puncture and yeah. and let all the spinal fluid out. That made all, me but... feel so crazy. <laughs> they, right. they drained me of all my right. spinal fluid and all of my hopes and dreams. <laughs> right. So yes, it was it was amazing to hear her describe how she felt after well, and knowing that that had relieved her symptoms <laughs> it made me feel so crazy though because i was like, like no really? way why I was am like, i even here <laughs> i know i was like no way and then they did the eye exam too and they found like a little bit of the there was just still build up the yeah, cup, l- reverse cupping a little bit on my it, optic yeah. nerve that they had found on the mri yada 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 I, i've talked about all this before right. i don't know if this is your first time listening to brain fart but if it is, probably not the best episode to start on. Right. <laughs> a lot of confusing medical jargon. Um, so I guess that was, yeah. And we've always had to go, I don't know, I feel like we're always in doctor's offices and always kind of switching doctors because people aren't quite figuring, I don't know. Right. I it's It was a, yeah, it was a very frustrating experience all throughout that whole process of trying to get a real uh definite diagnosis yeah and i just remember they suggested the pseudotumor cerebri at 
after was that before the the lumbar puncture they i think they, but that like, was the first time it. i had heard of it so i was yeah. like immediately you know just yeah. doing all the research i could and, and i mean unfortunately with pseudotumor it's like not super i've but yeah Honestly, you've been there, done that with the celiac disease when there right. wasn't a ton of no, there knowledge on it. There and really so... wasn't. I feel like probably in another 20 years, Zach's, what, almost 24, so it's about 20 years ago. Maybe this will be something that they have... That they have more... A lot more information on. Yeah, because, and I mean, they don't know where it comes from. That's the whole idiopathic part right. of idiopathic intracranial hypertension is... They don't know what causes it. I also feel like when people hear your story, they might be skeptical. Yeah. That, you know, what you do to relieve it could actually relieve it. But it it just, in my mind, it kind of made sense. If, if, If you're having any kind of blockage for the spine, the cerebral spinal fluid to circulate around, then why, you know, why wouldn't it? get built up, built up, yeah. built up in, in your brain. Yeah. And when you do things with your body to help release mm-hmm. release those pressures or those blockages, and it's, it, it just makes again. sense to me. And yeah. it's, it certainly resolved your um, issue other than the lumbar puncture. And we're, you know, you don't want to go keep going back in for lumbar punctures, yeah. waiting for it just to build up enough I, so yeah. you're like at your worst possible state again mm-hmm. and then have to go and do that on a regular basis that or taking that's not that's not acceptable or taking diuretics and right the diuretics and we just were like causing you so many we side effects. yeah we didn't accept that and i mean i have to admit i still have symptoms i still have brain episodes occasionally but it is nothing compared to the fact that i was losing my eyesight and i couldn't right. talk well and, and you you stay on a regimen mm-hmm. Almost daily, maybe not daily, but yeah. at least you keep working on it throughout the week to to keep it at bay. Yeah, and I mean, so I'm it, back in Vegas, so I can meet with my doctor some more. Right. Um. So, yeah, and I guess, I guess that's kind of the pseudo tumor stuff. I mean, I have all the other stuff too that right. I sometimes forget about, <laughs> which is so bad because it really. Well, and I, I, I think it's also not well recognized the the Lyme disease yeah diagnosis a lot of people don't necessarily believe that either yeah but even though I had the markers right and, yeah so I we just keep trying new and different things as as they come out if if it's something new and different we're probably gonna try it yeah and the problem is I feel like when I go into doctor's offices and I face this a lot, I it, depends quite, on the, it depends, it depends on, the doctor. on the doctor. I have to say it if depends on the doctor. If you're going to go into a new functional medicine doctor, they're a little more likely to um, understand your problem and have heard yeah. it before. Well, even with like the hypothyroidism, we thought I had hypothyroidism oh, for years and like nothing was coming up, nothing was coming up, nothing was coming up. And I just like, I was like, okay, that's strange, whatever, it's done, cool. And then... Finally, we just went into a doctor and they took another test and all of it, it was up and I had the markers for it. And it was strange because well, it was, yeah, just your t- TSH levels and your T, T3, T3, T4, yeah. T4 levels. But, but it still, it wasn't even, it wasn't even so high that it's clinically diagnosed as hypothyroidism by a traditional doctor it's only the newer doctors now that 
that realize it doesn't have to be at that certain level to yeah. be causing you an issue. It can be, you know, that's why we say everybody is different. I yeah, mean, everyone's medical it's journey not, is different. It's yeah. not um, affecting another person in a negative way doesn't mean it's not going to affect you negatively. Yeah. And I do, and even the same with the PCOS, like where I've had occasionally different hormonal things and things coming up where the symptoms point to it, but not quite having all of the markers for it. I don't know. I don't know where that was going. (laughs) But just like, I I guess just the idea that like, I've, I feel like everything that she has is, is just on the verge of being at that diagnosis, but it's not quite in the doctor's minds that, Oh, you're not quite there. Well, you don't have actual cysts. So on your ovaries, ovaries, so it's, you know, we don't count that as polycystic ovarian syndrome. Yeah, even though you have all of the But then we will come across another doctor that will say, well, we're looking at this differently. Yeah, we're looking at the bigger picture. Right, we can see that this is not um, the only way to diagnose this. Yeah. So I guess that's like, that's been frustrating for me. And I know, I remember you saying you were listening to a podcast about someone and it was someone's journey, whatever. And they were talking about how it took them years and years to figure out answers. And I knew this was kind of in the beginning of our searching. And I remember thinking, oh, I just like, I hope it doesn't take years for me. I hope it doesn't take years. <laughs> and looking back, like it did, oh, it yeah. does. Like I'm right. still learning about my body. I'm still figuring out my body. I still don't think I have all of the answers, but I feel so much better off now than I did all right. those years ago. When I felt, I you know we only, both felt so lost. Yeah, you can only d- tackle it, you know, as it as it arises, and mm-hmm. you just can't you can't hope that it's going to all be resolved. That's overnight. An, yeah, I, you just have to keep dealing with it day by day and having you know positive thoughts that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's all going to be it's all going to be good. And I yeah. think I think as long as you think that way, then. The more you think that way, the more it is. Yeah. Um, any other, do you have any advice for parents who are dealing with this with children? I mean, obviously, as you guys have heard, she's... Right. I, would just, I would just um, be persistent and just definitely research, do your own research before you go in to see these doctors so that you can intelligently you know, talk to them and answer or ask questions and just never give up. I mean, don't take no for an answer. If somebody tells you, oh, there's nothing wrong with her, like, well, you don't live with her. (laughs) (laughs) There's definitely, I mean, and I don't mean that in a, I mean, I see that there's something wrong with my child. Yeah, you see. Kind of like with Zach with the celiac. I was like, clearly something is wrong with this child that you're missing. And yeah. And so you just keep keep pushing and keep searching and keep asking questions and just it's yeah. your your child you're you're not going to give up until somebody gives you you know the helping hand yeah <laughs> it's like please well i guess that's all that's it. <laughs> I guess that's it. You were so nervous it was, too. I know. This is a painful experience for me. Yeah, but it came out so well. I think it came out really nice. I mean, I'm gonna listen to it and we'll see. Um, but I guess if anyone so has, 
I guess if anyone has any questions for me or my mom, I mean, I'm living with her for the next couple months, I can ask her, um, just email us at brainfartpodcast at gmail.com or you can reach out on Instagram or Facebook. Many places to reach me. I hope this was helpful or informative for parents. Um, Yeah, if any parents have any questions or any people, I don't know. I think it's interesting to hear your perspective. We get my perspective all of the time. It's my Mm -hmm. podcast. So um, I think it's nice to hear what it's like coming from you. You know a lot about it. You're very, that's the other thing about you. You're very, not clinical, but you're very fact oriented, driven. driven. (laughs) I don't know. You're you're not quite emotionally driven. Like I feel like. Some parents tend to be, which is totally makes sense. It's your child. Right. But you're very much like, let's get to business. So I trust your knowledge and information about all of this. So thanks for coming, Mom. You're welcome. I hope it was kind of fun and not horribly (laughs) painful. No, it wasn't. It's it's okay. I got through. (laughs) Um, Thank you guys for listening and... I I guess that's all for this week. Have a good whatever time it is. Bye. Bye. Do you want to do the fart? No. Do the fart. I don't know how. You just just make a fart sound. (laughs) Nice.